0: Welcome to Inside Scoop with Sean Emery. Every week we are examining something new, bringing you closer to companies, sectors, and themes. This recording should not be construed as a substitute for personalized individual advice from Avery & Company or any guest on the show. This is for educational purposes only and not intended to make an offer or solicitation for any companies or securities mentioned. With that, let's get on with the episode. All right. Hello, hello. This is another episode of Inside Scoop, our fourth episode with a leading company around transportation, logistics, warehousing. We had the CTO of Flex at one point on one of our episodes talking about flexible warehouse space. We had the rideshareguy.com talking about shared mobility, Tortoise talking about robotic delivery solutions. And today we have Fredos, one of the leading companies in logistics, providing software as a service to different carriers around the globe. They will talk more about their business, the trends they're seeing, how freight rates are moving over the last 30, 40, 50 days. We've seen freight rates come down materially. Uh, this is a good thing as it relates to things like inflation uh, and what the future holds for the future of freight. We thought this was an incredible episode, so let's get straight to it. All right. Today, we have an exceptional guest in Judah Levine, the head of research at Fredos. Judah, welcome to the show today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Fredos and a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, so my background is in market research, and I'm a head of research at Frito's Group. Uh, Frito's is a logistics technology company, um, and we are kind of pursuing a vision for end-to-end digital freight. Um, a lot of logistics, a lot of the freight industry um, operates offline, um, and up until a, a few years ago, there were no options to, to you know, to um, uh, connect the different supply chain stakeholders uh, online. That's something we're trying to uh, to solve for. So we have um, a few different uh, units that try and do that. So we have the Freightless.com marketplace, which connects um, uh, small business importers and exporters or thousands of, of these uh, SMB importers and exporters with dozens of freight forwarders, which are kind of freight brokers. Um, they go between the ocean and air carriers and, and the uh, and importer exporters. And then we also have the Web Cargo uh, business unit, which connects ocean and air um, uh, carriers with uh, freight forwarders to facilitate, you know, sharing of all kinds of different information, um, including e-booking, which has been, um, uh, you know, has seen a lot of growth um, over the last couple of years. Uh, in addition to all those kind of connections and, and sharing of data, we also have a vantage point to some of the data going on in the in the industry. Um, and so we also have a Freightos data uh, business unit. Um, and within that, we have the Fredos Baltic Index, which is an index for ocean freight Um, a a spot uh, rate index for to ship 40 foot containers across different lanes. Um, And uh, one of the things I do is produce a a weekly update, which is kind of based on what's going on in the greatest Baltic index FBX. Um, And I'm going to be referring to that a bit as we go through.
0: Yeah. uh, I'm definitely a follower of that. Um, So I know you have an operation here in Miami. I know kind of the team in general located uh, where Israel around the world, obviously global in nature. So tell us a little bit about the team and how you guys are structured slightly.
1: Yeah, so um, we have a, a big team in Jerusalem as well as an office uh, in Ramallah. Um, we have offices as well in India and in Asia, and we have a very large office of, in Barcelona where the web cargo, um, a business unit is is um, is located.
0: Got it. And it, it's kind of slightly off topic, but what do you think uh, is driving, um, you know, I hear Israel, right? And, and over the last, I say, decade, there's been a lot of talent uh, and entrepreneurship that's come out of Israel in general, Checkpoint, Teva, Fiverr, Wix, NICE, uh, all different industries. Um it's a little bit a deviation from logistics, but uh, what, what do you think is uh, some of the drivers there? What do you think's happened over the last decade that's really unlocked entrepreneurship and kind of these exceptional skills that you, uh, many of you have?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean that's a really good question. There's a lot of uh, several books uh, written about it, so I, I wouldn't want to speculate. But you know, from from my uh, perspective, there, there's a. Uh... There's a shortage of natural resources. Up until a few years, there was a natural gas um, uh, discovery, um, and you know I think that's really part of the Israeli mentality is kind of um, hustling and looking for opportunities, and the uh, you know the desire to really be players on the on the world stage, even though we're a very small country. So I think there's a lot of that uh, a lot of that drive, um, and there's also, of course, there's a, there's a lot of uh, talent and technology development within the IDF, within the the military, and a lot of that tech talent you know starts early in in terms of the mandatory military service and, and comes out looking for opportunities. Interesting. Um, so yeah, yeah, but I'm no expert.
0: Right. No, I mean, it's just a product of, I guess, whatever the foundation is, um, but there's a lot of talent there just to to point it out. But let, let's get to the main topic here is, is trends you're witnessing today and uh, and over kind of several months. Maybe it's the last several months versus a year ago. Kind of what are you seeing uh, in the data that you guys uh, have?
1: Right. So if we talk about, you know, ocean freight, um, really, we'd have to start about two years ago when there was this big shift. So, um, you know, in June of 2020, when it was clear that kind of the pandemic was here to stay for a while, we had this big shift in spending. Um, a big uh, shift and increase in spending on goods, especially in the, if we talk about the United States, um, away from services and, and towards goods. And ninety percent of the world's goods travel by ocean. So this big increase in demand um, started being reflected in climbing ocean rates uh, already two years ago. For frame of reference, to ship a container from the, from Asia to the U.S. West Coast um, before the pandemic typically costed around fifteen hundred dollars, you know, plus minus a little more in, in more uh, you know peak season. Um, but by the end of twenty twenty, it was up to four thousand dollars, and then last summer. Um, so each summer is the peak season in, um, in ocean freight. So every year uh, on the Trans-Pacific, starting at around this time of year, July, August, with a big increase uh, in demand as all the stuff that's going to come in for back to school and for, you know, for Thanksgiving and then into the holiday season, all that stuff has to be brought over starting then. So we usually have a big increase, uh, an increase in demand, an increase in volumes, and an increase in freight rates. Um, last year, as rates were already rising and there was already this increase uh, of demand, um, we saw a tremendous spike. So from uh, May to September, rates went from $7,000 per container up to $20,000 per container, which was a, was an all-time high. Um, and, and again, this was due to this, to this uh, increase in demand and the growing congestion. So as things got more congested, um, you know, even if ocean carriers were throwing more ships at the problem, you couldn't really increase the capacity that the ports have to, to kind of uh, process all those containers. Um, and that just kind of restrained that capacity and, and pushed rates up. After peak season last year, we also saw the seasonality of rates coming down. They fell from 20,000 to 15,000. The 15,000 is still 10 times the normal, still extremely elevated. As we had, again, with increase in demand, we had a continuing problem with congestion. To get to your question, over the last couple of months, we've seen a big decline in rates. So we had that kind of $15,000 per container level. And then um, from the end of March um, in, until now, there's been, uh, on the, from Asia to the US West Coast, more than 50% decline. So rates are now $7,300 per container. And that big drop started in May and continued through June. Although we've seen some some leveling off in July. And at first, the theory was that you know this was during the Shanghai lockdown. Shanghai was locked down from about the beginning of April till the beginning of June. And you know the the one of the theories was that as Shanghai was locked down, all this manufacturing is, is shut down. It was very difficult to get to the ports because of trucking restrictions and things like that. Um, and one of the theories was that you know there's there is underlying demand. It's just you can't get exports out, so you couldn't meet that that demand, and therefore demand for ocean freight was falling. Um, shanghai started to reopen in june and we continue to see rates fall since then and alongside you know kind of during the shanghai shutdown we also started having kind of economic indicators that something was changing so we had uh you know some of the biggest retailers like walmart and and target announcing an increase or an excess of inventories whereas since about june 2020 inventories have been way down or at least inventory to sales ratios you know people Businesses were bringing in goods, but they couldn't keep them stocked on the shelves. And, you know, things were taking much longer to come across because of those um, uh, because of the the congestion and things like that. Um, So uh, this big increase in inventories is one of the signs that, you know, consumer spending um, is changing, either because things are starting to open up. Now people are able to spend on uh, travel and entertainment, which weren't really as much options last year um, or probably both at the same time. But the bigger driver might be, you know, rising inflation. As we know, the new inflation numbers just came out um and as people are having to spend more on uh, necessities they're shifting away from from spending on you know some of these goods that we've been buying over the course of the pandemic again it's not across all um uh, types of goods but the big you know kind of some of the big home uh, big ticket items for homes like uh, furniture and electronics those are kind of where the build up of inventories are and so that seems to be kind of the the main driver of this um decline in rates that we've seen over the last couple months um just uh, one more thing that i, that I wanted to to show as an indication, um, there was a report this week an analysis of uh, utilization levels, which means you know the, how how full the container ships are. And um, over the course of the pandemic, from Asia to the U.S., it's almost always been above 90%. And when you have uh, shifts full 90% and above, that puts a lot of pressure on rates, either pushing them up or keeping them um, elevated. Uh, and so this report, which I think was was uh, based on May, but it may have been kind of just uh, just last month, um, shows that they've dipped below 90% for the first. Uh, for the first time since, um, since the first half of 2020, which again is another indication that, that something's changing. And then finally, the, the other kind of interesting thing going on in terms of freight rates, as I said, we had this big decline in, uh, in spot rates and the spot market is kind of a one-off um, you know, commitment for to ship a, a container. Um, bigger shippers or bigger uh, importers/exporters will have contracts with ocean carriers for you know at a locked-in rate, um, which is typically below the, the spot market rate, um, and they commit a certain volume over uh, you know over the course of the contract. Um, and now we've seen those the spot rate has dipped below the contract rate, which puts a lot of pressure on you know on the parties involved if you're now kind of paying a premium. Um, on a, on a contracted rate, um, and just in terms of in terms of the FBX, um, the FBX uh, can be used as a as a basis for index linking. So you can link your your contract to uh, to this index, so you're, you're kind of you know you're paying the market price, you know, up or down. Um, and it, in February, we launched. Uh, I'm sorry, the the CME and Chicago Mercantile Exchange um, launched the ability to to trade derivatives or, or future. Uh, Freight futures um, based on the on that index, which again, this is kind of er- early early days for these types of um, of options and shippers, but um, it's something that you know um, we see kind of the the, the need for in, in these this types of volatility.
0: Yeah. So, so two things there. So, one, I think um, it sounds like um, the pandemic has unlocked two different call it changes, innovations. Is one the adoption of technologies such as yourself. Uh, and then, two, it sounds like again a derivatives market that allows potentially on a future basis a lot of these uh, companies to hedge out some of their inflation costs or or shipping costs in the future, right? Is that is that kind of the best way to to think about how the pandemic uh, morphed some of these changes?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, as you said, you know, the, the adoption of, of technology and logistics has been growing over the last you know ten years or so um, at a certain pace. But like it has in a lot of industries, this has kind of accelerated that trend. So, again, from our example from from Web Cargo. Um, you know, there is uh, airline e-bookings for, for freight forwarders uh, b- before the pandemic. But with all the volatility and people working from home and just kind of the speed of how fast things were changing, uh, we've seen a, a tremendous uh, increase in, in kind of adoption of that kind of solution. Um, so that's that's definitely been been part of it. And in terms of financial, uh, you know, financial, uh, um, you know, other other ways to uh, to address the kind of the problem uh, financially. As I said, that's that's you know, we think there's a need. Uh, in the market and the fact that, that now these are you know available on a on a recognized exchange uh, is an important step um but uh, but you know i think that's going to going to um, see progress as we move forward based on these kind of examples
0: got it makes sense um you did allude to so obviously the fear before was that china's lockdown um was a, ra- a reason behind the drop in price um asking, you know, uh, there, there's this fear, right? So it's like, okay, what's the future going to bring for prices? As it relates to like inflation, everything that um, kind of logistics and, and transportation and freight, how that pushes through the system and the fear that, yeah, hey, we may have uh, the zero COVID policy and that's still in effect. And, you know, six months from now you may have something and that may drive prices higher once again. It sounds like the thesis maybe a couple months ago was that was going to be the case. And that was the rationale behind the drop in price. And then therefore we'd see prices re-rate higher. Um, it sounds like that thesis may not be holding true anymore. And maybe, you know, if you go six months from now, one, I think uh, you'll have maybe some of these uh, technologies in place, uh, maybe a, a, a little bit more mature uh, derivatives market. Um, some of those uh, spot prices to contract prices may actually ca- fall back in line. Um, what's like your view of that thesis of like, okay, six months from now, a year from now, we may have it again. How well positioned will um, the ecosystem of kind of freight and transportation be uh, then versus potentially now? I know it's a guess, but uh, how viable is that that threat to you know an increase in price of what we saw maybe a year ago.
1: Yeah. Well it's all a guess, as you said, yeah. as we know. Um but uh yeah, you know it's it's been uh it's been very complex because there are multiple kind of uh, you can't point to one driver anymore and say this is what's you know this is what's going on in you know in, in global trade in general or in um you know freight and freight prices in, in particular. But certainly as you said during the Shanghai it, it, the assumption was there's all this demand, things are shut down, prices are going to drop temporarily and they're gonna Got to Get back up. We seem to have this other, uh, you know, growing trend of this increase in inventories and possibly that that falling of consumer demand at the same time. So as you said, it's it's uh, you know it's it's complicated to say what what are we going to see moving forward. If you know uh, with China's zero COVID policy, if they're shutting down ports um, and and goods can't get out, that's going to impact freight rates. You know, it might push them down um, temporarily and then push them back up afterwards. But of course, that's dependent on underlying demand. So um, you know it's a, it's an interplay of those two factors. Um, you know, anytime there's some kind of, of disruption, it's causing problems to the to log, the logistics um, kind of ecosystem. Uh, what that's going to do on rates ultimately depends on, on that underlying demand, which of course is is also hard to predict. Just one other thing I would say is that um, you, you know part of the issue with the with the Shanghai lockdown and falling rates is that there was also a significant pull forward of peak season demand so i said as i said before normally peak season starts around this time of year goes up into august september and starts to decline october november Um, uh, statistics for import container volumes from the national retail federation came out um, this week or last week um, and it showed that may was a record was the new record for monthly imports to the u.s um and so that's kind of early for peak season. But what we know, and we we've, we've seen this from surveys we've done of uh you know of importers exporters um who use Fredos, um, is that because of what happened last year, because of all these uh, uh delays and because sometimes some you know importers weren't able to get goods in time for the for the particular shopping season, um businesses are starting to pull forward and order those things, order those goods earlier. So with all those kind of volumes moved move earlier. Um, The fact that freight rates are falling now does show that there's a lessening of demand, right? Normally, this time of year, rates start to climb and we've seen them fall. Now, maybe they're evened off a little bit. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that you know importers aren't bringing stuff in for the holiday seasons. It means that you know they have inventories built now. They may not be expecting as high as they thought they were. You know, they in, in having stuff in the next couple months. Maybe they're canceling those orders. Um, but it's not to say that there's going to be that that this necessarily shows there's going to be kind of a plummeting uh, of demand. So for again for for the NRF or National Retail Federation, their projections for uh, July are just six percent below that that uh, record, which is still pretty high, and then kind of a a, a trailing off. Um, through October, which shows, yeah, there's going to be a decrease in volumes. Um, but with the same thing with spot rates, you have to remember, we're starting from a very, very high um, level, right? So to say that things are going to decline, or to say that spot rates are declining, if we compare them to kind of pre-pandemic north, it's still extremely high. So for those for those container volumes, for those months, it's between 13 and to 18%, still among uh, about 13 to 18% higher than in 2019, if those projections uh, hold up. And when we talk about freight rates now, you know, 7,000 Seventy-three hundred dollars per container. Normally, this time of year they'd be fifteen hundred dollars, or maybe two two thousand um, dollars. So we're we're definitely seeing something changing. Something is is, is different than what we've seen, um, you know, over the last two years. Um, but uh, I think you know we have to be cautious about how uh, how extreme we think these kind of uh, drops are, and what they say about you know the underlying demand. economic.
0: No, that's interesting because it because it sounds like you're saying there's record volume still, yet um, prices are dropping, which just sounds like you know an easing of 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 the supply of of container ships potentially. Is that the case? Is it just simply that now we have? I mean, you talked about utilization of these ships um, falling uh, from where they were before, um, and yeah, we've heard anecdotally, and we listen to earnings calls and all these uh, conferences. And a year ago, there was a lot of companies that were double ordering ahead of holiday season, just to ensure they got it. And then some, uh, you heard like the WalMarts and Targets this year stuff they ordered uh, maybe a year ago. Uh, for outdoor furniture, which no one less people are buying outdoor furniture relative to a year and a half, two years ago, Um, that double order effect. And a lot of that stuff is big items. So taking up space, Um, you know, just juxtapose the the higher volumes versus lower rates, um, because it sounds like there's a lot of stuff still coming um, and it's coming at a lower price relative to last year. And actually, it just simply sounds like we're steadily moving towards where possibly normal rates were. Uh, with more people maybe battling on the on the logistics side for for um, uh, getting that volume potentially. Yeah, that, I mean, that, it right? is.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's confusing because, right, there is still demand. I don't think, you know, from, from you know, from freight forwarders and from carriers, uh, you don't kind of hear that, like, you know, that there's, there's a plummeting. And again, these projections for the coming months, uh, there's still going to be a, a lot of pressure on the supply chain and above normal uh, volume. So there's certainly something changing. I think, again, it's like starting from that very high uh from that very high starting point if things yep. are changing and there is excess capacity so yeah f- rates are going to fall but they're still showing that there's there's a lot of demand um part of the of the problem right so that's kind of on the demand side the, in the in the volumes um which again it is kind of confusing to say that you know uh we're seeing things ease and decreasing consumer demand but we're still kind of you know double digits of beyond the, the volumes right. of things we we're we we're pulling in you know two three years ago right um, so it is there's kind of these you know these con- contrasting indicators but there are also a couple of things. In terms, if we talk about freight rates in particular, like where they're going to go, there are other couple of factors. So the first is um, is uh, the ability of ocean carriers to manage capacity. So if you know if, if ships are starting to be not um, you know not fully utilized, they have the ability to, to manage capacity. Or what's called blank sailings or cancel uh, services and just kind of remove some of that uh, some of that excess capacity to meet the level of demand. Um, and that's probably why we've seen a leveling out over the course of July for Asia U.S. West Coast. We only saw rates drop about four percent. Um, even though we had that big drop in May and June. Um, And this is something that ocean carriers have done effectively, really for the first time at the beginning of the pandemic. Like, you know, from January till about March, rates remained about level, even though uh, volumes dropped significantly. And that's because the carriers were able to, um, you know, to to effectively manage capacity and keep rates, um, uh, you know, get uh, capacity at a level to meet uh, demand, get supply to to meet demand, Um, which, uh, which really hadn't been the case a lot of times in the past. Um, and there's a lot of better um, cooperation in terms of uh, shipping alliances that they're able to share uh, networks that they can more evenly uh, uh, remove capacity, and that mights probably a reason why we're not seeing kind of a continuation of that uh, of, of that fall. Um, the other mitigating factor is port congestion. So as I said, you know when when ships are waiting for a spot to uh, to berth and they are you know sitting in in San Pedro Bay or wherever they are, um, they're not in you know they're not circulating. And essentially, that capacity is sucked up and, and removed from the um, uh, from the market, uh, and congestion continues to be a, a problem. So, um, you know, the, the headlines you know, earlier in the year, were in uh, you know out, off the coast of LA, where you had 100 ships waiting for a spot, which is crazy. Uh, it's come down to you know to the mid 20s, um, but normally this time of the year there wouldn't be any, or there'd be a one or two. Um, so that's still a significant amount. There's a, a figure that about 10% of the global fleet is just sitting waiting at any given time right now. Um, so that's that's still significant, and we've seen the improvements on the West Coast. Some of that congestion has shifted to the East Coast, you know, as as uh, importers are looking for for alternatives, um, you know. But ultimately, it seems to just have, have been um, shifted around. So, uh, you know, with the ability to manage capacity and with congestion as an ongoing problem, that's something that's going to keep uh, more pressure on on ocean logistics and probably keep pressure keep pressure on rates as well.
0: Got it. Um, yeah, I read an article the other day uh, that that uh, backlogs within four ships, new ships, is actually at like a record high. I don't know if you know anything about that. Um, but in addition, uh, kind of my last uh, area of topic is, you know, what have, have you seen from companies or anecdotally heard that they're doing to adapt to some of the issues over the last year um, that potentially sets them up for flexibility uh, in the future so that a year or two years from now, if something happens in the supply chain, that there is a little bit of flexibility around there. Um, what, you, what are you hearing uh, anecdotally or, or even kind of what you heard?
1: Yeah. So, I, you know, before the pandemic, there was a big shift towards just-in-time inventories that you want to you know, keep inventories lean and reduce costs on, on you know, carrying inventories by having goods arrive just in, in time that you need them. Uh, what we saw the, the pandemic was a big shift to just-in-case inventories. Of, you know that would be the biggest uh, change and what will you talk about for kind of the pull forward of this this year's peak season um, is uh, you know uh, uh, importers being comfortable ordering things you know much earlier as you said just kind of ensure ensure that they have them and one of that shift is like you know despite how extremely elevated rates have been we've still seen volumes move right we've seen record volumes move and so we've seen a willingness to pay more for ocean logistics which for you know for a lot of the last you know however many years, um uh has been really uh, you know uh, comparatively inexpensive um you know at times uh, i know someone who's uh you know who's a, a lighting a, a imports lighting and at certain points they would just use ocean freight as um as kind of warehousing they just keep you know containers you know moving from one port to another because it was less expensive than than uh than warehouse space and i think you know that's kind of been the shift of that that's you know, that's no longer the case, at least for, for right now, but it's very possible that there's been shown a tolerance for freight rates that are, you know, that are, won't have uh, some ocean carriers operating at loss, which also wasn't uncommon. Um, The other thing we've said, we've seen, as you said, is kind of shift the technology where, where possible to make things go, uh, you know, speed things up, have them be more efficient. Um, You know, things that that could take a long time, like getting a freight quote, it could take, you know, Two to three days just to get a, a quote from your from your freight forwarder. These things moving online is you know is something that I think a lot of um, stakeholders in the industry have done for the first time during the pandemic. And uh, this isn't something that's that, that's going to go away. And so there's better there's better um, you know efficiencies that way. And there's also you know a push into more more visibility, also in pricing, right? You know we, we know anecdotally there's been a tremendous amount of, of interest, obviously now in things like the FBX. Um, but that had been an issue previously. There was, you know there's a lot of um, um, prices were opaque and so visibility to prices is another thing that i I think has changed um so i definitely think there'll be kind of lessons learned from from the pandemic maybe you know a willingness to um to explore different options that maybe we haven't seen before
0: cool you know i'll give you a moment to just share more about uh where people can find uh more information about fredos where they can find kind of maybe some of your research pieces um i subscribe to it so um and, and track all your work uh for the most part so um, anyways, uh, if giving you a second there to, to share some of uh, the areas to find you.
1: Sure. So you can learn more about the Freightos group at freightos.com. Um, as I said, this is a freightos.com marketplace, as well as, um, web cargo. that's connecting, uh, carriers and freight forwarders. Um, and in addition to that, we have the Freightos Baltic index, which is at fbx.freightos.com. Um, you can sign up for a free subscription, um, that will get you access to, to, uh, uh, to rate data across these 12 major trade lanes. Um, and it will also sign you up for my weekly freight update. Um, which you know is good because yeah. uh, you enjoy it. Um, and you can also sign up just for the update as well at fbx.com, Um, even without creating an account.
0: Cool. Great, Judah. Let's end there. Uh, You know, I appreciate you coming on. We'll get an update from you in the future. Uh, But with that, I guess, uh, good luck. And, and yeah, we'll be in touch.
1: Terrific. Thanks for having me.